Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year 2022. That kind of sounds futuristic, at least to me. You know, out of four digits, you have three twos. I don't know what to think about that. Welcome to the January episodes of For the Love of Books podcast featuring indie and small press authors with host Emma Polova. We're going to have a blast this year. Today, we will chat with poet Donnie Winter, who will announce the details of his book giveaway of Feats of Alchemy at the end of the interview. Hello, Donnie. How are you? Hello. I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me, Emma. Awesome. I'm glad you're on the show. And I read your raving reviews of Feats of Alchemy. So I would like to start out by reading one of them by Arthur Kanitsky. If carbon footprint opened the closet door, Feats of Alchemy rips it off its hinges. I think that's a pretty powerful statement. Yeah, it is. And it means a lot. It was actually intentional. I wanted Feats of Alchemy to pick up where my first book, Carbon Footprint, left off. Okay, so you pretty much picked up right where you left off and took it. Where did you take it to? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, Carbon Footprint as a book was a collection of poems about my experiences as a gay man growing up in rural Michigan prior to coming out. Feats of Alchemy picks up at the end of of, uh, Carbon Footprint Um, talking a bit more about what it's like to be an LGBTQ plus person navigating life post coming out, uh, which is something that's not often talked about, unfortunately. Okay, so that is the major difference between the two. I wanted to make that clear from the (laughs) get-go. So what is it like navigating your life after stepping out? There are a lot of unexpected challenges to face, whether it be microaggressions. Bullying takes on a whole different form when a person is, you know, accepting of themselves and, you know, coming out and and knowing who they are. But also there's just a lot of isolation. Um, A lot of people, and, and justifiably so, romanticize coming out because it is such a pivotal moment of self-acceptance for LGBTQ plus people. But after coming out, it can be extremely isolating for people who may not have support networks. And I would say that that is the biggest thing that is very much occurring in Feats of Alchemy is this isolation, this this um, understanding that we have to power through that isolation after the pomp and circumstance of coming out, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Perfect sense. Okay, let's talk about the title, Feats of Alchemy, and I would also like to touch on the cover. Okay, tell us first about the title. Uh, So the title, Feats of Alchemy, was something that I came up with surprisingly fast. Whenever I am putting out a collection, the first thing that I always think of is surprisingly the title. Uh, And then I just go from there. Uh, But Feats of Alchemy is about, well, I mean, it's about the the act of alchemy itself. Like alchemy is a sort of like chemist's term for turning one thing into something else, right? Um, And I kind of took that metaphorically speaking and ran with it because 
all of us, and I know this is something that everyone can relate with, as we grow and as we learn, we are adjusting ourselves, we are adapting to different social situations, and I think that that's in a way alchemy of sorts. And as an LGBTQ plus person, many of us are are forced to adapt to different situations all the time for not only our own safety, but for acceptance in groups of people. And I think that we accomplish a lot of these feats of alchemy in order to survive, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And how about the cover? I absolutely love the cover. Who designed the cover? Uh, The cover. I'm glad that you asked about my cover because I'm always trying to like brag about the artist who did it. Uh, My dear friend, Seth Stang, did the cover art and it is an anime style and it features a character that appears in the collection of poems. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of people don't really associate fictional characters with collections of poems, but I'm a huge nerd. And I was like, hmm, I'm gonna create some sort of like dystopian, a post-apocalyptic concept in the book. Because when a person, when an LGBTQ plus person comes out, it can feel like the ending of one world and the beginning of another, right? So my goal with that was to capture it in the cover. Like we as LGBTQ plus people can sometimes metaphorically feel like cyborgs. Like we kind of have like these artificial aspects of ourselves, you know, that we try to put together in order to function. So that's where the cyborg looking anime character comes from on my cover. And the character, Solus Arcane, right? Correct. Holding yeah. a globe, right? That's a globe? Correct. Yep. So he's, uh, well, actually they, I have been trying to use they, them pronouns because I feel like they defy like the structures of um, sex and gender. But um, Solus Arcane is holding a globe that has like a cityscape in it. And one of the yes. primary things that you can see in that is a little mm-hmm. sign that says, sell yourself because unfortunately when we are acting on these feats of alchemy in order to adjust to other people to make them feel comfortable sometimes we're doing it at our own expense and and we are kind of like selling ourselves if that makes sense um for other Mm -hmm. people so I was not expecting that detail my artist Seth surprised me with that and I was a fan of that It's absolutely fabulous and fits your collection amazingly. So what inspired the entire collection? I mean, what did you start out with? I actually started like the first few poems that I wrote for this collection were very political poems. Um, I wrote one titled Snowflake in which I kind of I'm just sassily like, yeah, go ahead, call me a snowflake for caring about people's right to exist, right? Um, So I kind of went with there. Like Carbon Footprint was kind of a very self-reflective collection, whereas Feats of Alchemy is more sassy (laughs) Um, and a little bit more politically blunt. Like I really think that it's important once we find our voice to actually confidently 
convey how we feel, right? So it began, it began with like the political, but then it started branching into more of like this like sci-fi, cyberpunkish type of theme throughout. There's several themes throughout it, but that is the main uh, thing that started it for me, what inspired it. Okay. And how about who inspired your MC? Solus Arcane. Who did you model Solus Arcane after? That's a oh, that's an amazing question. Um, well, Solus Arcane is almost like I kind of think a piece of me exists in Solus Arcane, okay. but I also really feel passionate about the fact that a piece of my artist is in Solus Arcane as well, because my artist is part of the LGBTQ plus community and also fully, you know feels the heaviness of of these feats of alchemy that we experience right but I also I really feel like Solus Arcane like my goal with them was to create a metaphor for those of us who've gone through all of these different challenges as LGBTQ plus people and it, it they kind of serve as like a physical representation of how we feel once we have to kind of like create these artificial aspects um, just to survive, if that makes sense. So it does. Yeah. It, it, to me, it does. It's amazing. Um, Thank you. Okay. I really appreciate that. What is experimental freeverse? An experimental freeverse, the format that you're using in your poetry, can you? explain that a little bit to us yeah of course so experimental free verse like I mean free verse poetry in general is very lax when it comes to form and conventions experimental free verse I feel like makes it a little bit funky let's just say uh for example there is a poem in Feats of Alchemy titled Tin Man and it literally, I, I decided, I just made the poem like a, a table, like it's like a table of categorizations. Mm-hmm. So it is bound by a type of form, but it's also formless at the same okay. time. So I think of experimental free verse as taking like that freedom that we have mm-hmm. with, with whatever form we want, but also m- doing unexpected things to it to make it sound look or um feel different okay sure that makes sense everything you say makes sense oh i'm glad because half the time i feel you like know I never how to sense. explain difficult things you're a teacher right yes i'm very used to explaining <laughs> you are excellent in explaining a difficult subject oh. well, you are making my day thank you <laughs> Can you explain to us some of the metaphors that you use in your poetry? Uh, yes, of course. So, well, it, to preface in Carbon Footprint, because I feel like I need to provide that context first. In that first collection, it was very environmentally driven. So I incorporated a lot of metaphors associated with the birth and destruction of the planet. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of like geological references um, and it really created like this narrative, at least my goal was to create Mm -hmm. this narrative about how our bodies are tied Mm -hmm. to the world and how our trauma manifests itself just like the world's trauma. 
manifests mm-hmm. itself. Uh, for feats of alchemy, I mean, the alchemy itself is the big metaphor. Yes. Um, uh, I, throughout the book, create these images of um, this of the cyborg trying to survive. So you'll see mm-hmm. poems referencing um, like this involuntary reanimation. Like there is some sort of mysterious force that mm-hmm. brings this creature to life that's living and dead at the same time and that acts as a metaphor for sometimes how I have felt as an LGBTQ plus person okay because I I felt like I've had to manufacture so many aspects of myself where I'm thinking is this genuine or is it artificial or does it matter anymore are they just blended together right Um, I would say those are the two biggest metaphors Mm -hmm. yes um, ultimately but I also incorporate some other like pop cultural references, like uh, the character Godzilla, for example, um, okay. is a metaphor mm-hmm. often throughout it as being kind of like this anomalous creature who is misunderstood, um, but destructive at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and throughout the book, I argue that like, in a way, like society kind of makes us feel like we're monsters when we're really not. So I have to agree again with you. Wow, <laughs> we must be on the same page. I love it. I love it. <laughs> what were some of the challenges in writing this anthology? Um, ooh, that's a good question. My biggest challenge, I would say, was letting myself get in the way. Um, My first book, Carbon Footprint, was very successful. And this book has been pretty successful too, but I kind of measured my success based on that first books. And part of me was like, well, I just need to replicate, like I need, people want what I wrote initially, right? Okay. But then I, I realized I was like, no, I want people to see that I've grown since that book. So once I kind of started putting that aside, like I kind of really took off with writing the poems for it. Um, But I really wanted to kind of let my walls fall away because I always felt like I needed to keep like my writing life separate from my activist life and my both of those lives separate from the, the things that I love. Like I love science fiction But then I realized like, why do there have to be walls separating these three different things that I love? They can all take place in one space and work somehow, as long as I put the work forth in doing it, you know? Uh, The only other challenge I would say was confronting a lot of the mental health things that I discuss in the book. Um, Over the past two years, I started um, medication for, I, I was recently diagnosed with bipolar too. And talking about that in the collection was really difficult because I've never talked about it before. So it's something completely alien to me, you know, to, to, to discuss in poetic format. So, so yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. What sets you apart from other poets in the LGBTQ plus community? Uh, I'll go ahead. What was the rest of the question? If, If that's, considered a category I don't know how else to put it you know from other poets you know poets there's right so that wouldn't be fair to just say you know from other poets 
but right. for other poets in the LGBTQ plus community. That's what I think I should narrow it down to. Right. Yeah. Honestly, I think the thing that probably sets me apart the most is the fact that I choose to incorporate science fiction imagery. Um, And and that like the science fiction genre in poetry itself is a very, very small niche genre. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really think that that sets it apart a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I like it's it's really it, it really depends on what style of poetry you're looking at. I would say stylistically, um, my poetry is different. If you look at, say, poets that um, that publish on Instagram and and like have like those smaller poems in an anthology or in a collection, like those mm-hmm. usually are a little bit more philosophical and they're a little bit more focused on like okay. human emotion. And while mine do talk about philosophy and human emotion, I kind of think of the entire book as telling a story about a theme um, instead of just having it be in individual poems, if that makes sense. So I would say those are the big um things that distinguish my work from other LGBTQ plus writers sometimes. Okay. What are the major takeaways from Feats of Alchemy? Ooh, the major takeaways. Um, I would say that the biggest takeaway that I want my readers to feel after reading this is a sense of renewal. This realization that yes, Sometimes we, we might feel broken. Sometimes we might feel like we have these artificial components to ourselves, but that doesn't mean that we are less than in any way. Like we've survived Mm -hmm. a lot and we've navigated a lot and that should be celebrated. Like our pain in some fashion should be turned into power. And I would say that that's the main consistency that Feeds of Alchemy has with Carbon Footprint, because that's what I really wanted people to take away at the end of that book as well. So like this, this realization that yes, we've gone through all of these things, but those things don't have to be things that completely break us, right? Like okay. they, like they can be difficult, but at the end of the day, like we can piece those broken pieces back together and make something from it. Something different, right? Transformation. Exactly. Yep. Okay. What have you learned about yourself from writing this collection as opposed to the first one? Again, let's compare it. What have you learned about yourself from your first book and now from your second book? From my first book, I learned that healing is acceptable and that I can do it. And I I learned that I've kind of found my voice. For my second collection, I learned that I can take my voice and elevate it to a completely different level um, in the sense that I can talk about more divisive topics or I can talk about more vulnerable things uh, and also push my limits when it comes to like experimenting with the actual words on the page. Um, in, In Carbon Footprint, I did a little bit of experimentation with form, but I really wanted to like kind of stay safe and do it in a way where like most people would clearly understand what I was saying. But for Fates of Alchemy, I wanted to go further and be a little bit more, I don't know, cyberpunk and psychedelic with with some of the forms. (laughs) 
gumball. That's a great combination. <laughs> it keeps things interesting. It does. Uh, what is the most interesting thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person author event? Interesting or something that you will never, ever forget for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> um we all um, have those mom moments we all have them i know we do i had one time i had like this person who was really drunk at one of my readings and like they were fun um but like they were just <laughs> they were so drunk and like like during a q a like they kept like asking like these really like like they they were good questions, but they were so deeply philosophical that okay. I would need an hour to answer them. Like there would be no way. Oh, to wow! Do- so like it, I yeah. thought it was it was funny. Like I was just like, like save a drink for me, please. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Gosh, I haven't heard this one. Whoa! I've heard a lot of things, but authors answer to this question, but not. And nothing like this. Okay, so what is next for Donnie in 2022? Um, so this year, uh, I'm going to be working on my third collection. It's not going to be out for a while because I don't think I can. Like, I, I put out two relatively successful books in the span of two years, and that oh, like wow. the, the marketing behind it itself oh, yes. was like really tiring. Yeah. So I'm going to take this year and just focus on writing 100% and doing mm-hmm. readings and appearances like this one where I can at least talk about the work. Um, because it's like, I just, I don't know. I need to pace myself for the next one. Yes, I agree. I agree. Not that my first two weren't paced, but I mean, like with the, with the, uh, social rigors of what goes into putting out a book. (laughs) Okay. Would you like to read to us? Donnie. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought you'd never ask. I'm super excited. <laughs> well, so, we got deep into this interview. I know, right? I have uh, two poems to read. Uh, the first one is called Queer Confession Number Six, and it comes from a series of poems in my book titled Queer Confessions. There's 10 of them, and they're largely poems about the LGBTQ plus experience post coming out. So this is Queer Confession number six. We sit in closets still contemplating ourselves through the old traumas, the ones we never shared out of fear of rejection. Some of us are kids locked in adult bodies because our shame stays glued inside our rib cages and expands with each year. Our weathered clothes hang heavy upon their hangers, half-colored like us, and our carefully crafted self-deprecating humor. Whispers wet our lips as we shift into thirties with partners beside us, and we pray to these vacancies that we won't ruin them too. So that was queer confession number six just kind of just wanted to create one about like how sometimes as LGBTQ plus people, if we feel broken, sometimes we're afraid of making connections because we are afraid of breaking the people around us too. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, the last one that I'm going to read is titled uh, My Closet is a Chrysalis. Um, and this poem is largely about connecting with, the, with future generations of LGBTQ plus people as they grow. My closet is a chrysalis. Dear kid, you're not out and that's okay because one day you'll go from pacing gravel driveways to marching down cobblestone paths beneath marble archways. Your jagged root feet will reach for us when you're ready to take in the rich historic nutrients left by their stories, by your ancestors' legacies. This closet is a chrysalis, so swaddle these starch linens until they wrap your wings for when they're ready to unfold. Then let the spark that is your pride ignite. Let your core spin with delight as you're the next light in this spectrum, a new star born in this stellar nursery. Thank you. Thank Very you. Very nice. And now can you announce the details of your book giveaway of Feats of Alchemy? Yes, um, for whoever emails me their name and shipping details first, my email is donnywinter at gmail.com. Um, I will send out a signed uh, uh, softcover copy of my book, Feats of Alchemy. So, yeah. So get I'll right put, like, on a little note it. in there for you. Get right on it. <laughs> okay, before we do our parting shots, I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavin and Digital Quill Services for Writers with author Colleen Nye. Okay, parting shots from each one of us. Donnie, you go first. You're the guest. Uh, thank you to Alien Buddha Press for believing in my work and publishing both of my collections. Um, thank you to my artist, Seth Stang, for this beautiful art piece. And my artist, Tiffany Schmiedercups, for the art piece for my first book. I really love having my friends do the art because it gets their work out there, too. Um, but ultimately, I really want to thank um, everyone who has supported me on my journey. It really means a lot knowing that I have people who want to read my work and who enjoy it. And thank you, Emma, to you for um, allowing me to join you on this on this podcast pleasure and my parting shots buy indie read indie keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair thank you for listening thank you donnie thank you